welcome, or velkommen, as we would say in Norwegian, to The Nordics Unveiled. I am Ernest Elbjørg and I hope you will join my exploration of Nordic. From mythology and folk traditions to lyrical, melancholic and often cautiously optimistic are only a few characters of Nordic. In a series of episodes, I will be joined by inspiring guests trying to break a few stereotypes and answer the question of what is typically Nordic? To learn more about conversations and guests, subscribe to The Nordics Unveiled on your favorite podcast provider or follow me on my Instagram, Facebook or Twitter account. This is The Nordics Unveiled. In the new episode of The Nordics Unveiled, I am hosting a special musical guest, one of Europe's most accomplished and innovative percussionists, Tarje Isingset. With over two decades of experience in jazz and Scandinavian music, he has made a mark in pushing the music far beyond the traditional boundaries, giving interdisciplinary performances of sound and shamanistic ritual. Crafting his own instruments from Norwegian natural elements such as arctic birch, granite, slate, sheep bells and most remarkably the ice, he is highly recommended to those sensible to the poetry and simplicity of sounds. Timbers and colors are central in Tari's music and compositions. In the press, his work has often been described as innovative, visual, energetic and different from any previously known concepts. Percussion Profile's publication has listed him among the 25 of the world's most creative percussionists and he was also a recipient of the Norwegian Jazz Musician of the Year. Tarja, I am so incredibly happy that you wanted to join my podcast. I am so blown away by your artistic work. It's really, really inspiring. I don't even know how where you begin um, when it comes to playing on instruments such as you know the ones you make out of ice <laughs> but i am i'm really thrilled to have you here today and to hear some of your thoughts on um the topic of nordic and uh, how you create music out of the materials you find so i thought maybe my first question i would like to ask you is um where do you how do you go about finding um your instruments oh um i think um i have been searching for instruments for a very long time. Um, it started when I was in my mid twenties, approximately. And uh, the first thing I was uh, checking out was what could I find in our at the farm in our barn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there were some uh, bells from sheep, and uh, I tried some wood pieces of wood. Um, and then later on, I checked out stones and, you know, material that normally people would not see as a value or as an instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, so and after a while, uh, I've been using lots of uh, various kinds of of uh, elements or sounds in in both uh, my compositions and uh, as a performer. So um, we tried out the most most things um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds from the the largest oil rig 
in the world, uh, factory sounds, uh, when we still had factories in Norway mm-hmm. uh, 20 years ago. Um, sounds from birds, uh, from fishes, um, from waterfalls, uh, and then things that I can use as instruments. All these sounds are recordings and they are included somehow, but but for my instrument, it's it's mainly then metal, wood, stone, uh, some horns, and then finally even ice <laughs> yes. that I checked out 20 years ago around. <laughs> it's really fascinating how you're able to create music out of elements that I would, I can say for myself, but I think maybe many people also think of as kind of basic, you know, they're just there somehow. But what does it take for you to decide to use it as an uh, as a musical instrument? I'm very lucky because um, I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm a percussionist. And uh, this means as a drummer or percussionist, you can actually uh, make your own instrument more or less, much more than a violin player or a piano player or whatever, you know, Uh, because our instruments, they are not actually fixed. Uh, And you can play on one symbol or you can have 1000 symbols. It's just like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, so, so the key for me is, is mainly the sound of the, of the element or the sound of the instrument. Right. Uh, so that that you can actually define what is an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, because some years ago, some people decided that a symbol is an instrument. And I decided that a stone is an <laughs> instrument. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe I can say that I have three stones that sound so magically beautiful that this is my Stradivarius. Mm. <laughs> mm, I hear you. <laughs> uh, at least for me, they have a very, very high volume. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are they are not, it's not possible to replace them. Yeah. So each, um, whether it's a stone or a wood or any else, they have their own very clear identity to you. Yeah. They have their unique sound. Mm. And, and it's only one of this sound. Hmm. Like many instruments, they, yes. they have unique sounds, you know, but, but this, uh, I cannot find them in any shop or anything like that. So some years ago, I came back from London and, and uh, when I opened my suitcase, the one of my favorite stones were broken in two pieces oh. because of the luggage handling. Yeah. And um, the day after, I was uh, walking in the mountains of uh, Norway, western part. And uh, when I was walking there, suddenly I heard a sound, cling. Hmm. And I said, hmm? hmm, this must be a stone. And I was checking, you know, all the stones and they sounded, cling, and I found it. Wow. So, <laughs> so Amazing. <laughs> you can say that it was the stone that actually found me. Mm. That's very Not poetic. Open. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and because and the stone said, hello, I want to join you around the world and play concerts. And I say, okay, you can join. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so so it's, uh, my setup or in my storage is completely full of everything. 
Hmm. Uh, and um, uh, but my setup that I use regularly with my drums um, is lots of small pieces, and every single little piece has its own history. Yeah, uh, many of them have been given to me as hmm. presents. Some has shown up, and I bought some of them like secondhand uh, markets or from places around the world. Um, and that's something nice. Uh, also, when I play my instrument, I, I see my my family, <laughs> <laughs> all my friends. Yeah, you know, they are all my friends. They, they, that is my bells, lo lots of various kinds of bells, uh, different sizes, the stones, of course, mm. pieces of wood that I've made myself, created. I go out in the forest and and just harvest and, uh, and had to treat. So they sound finally <laughs> the drum that was given to me by by a person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's uh, and you know when you sometimes at least when I play improvised concerts, I need help from my friends, and uh, my friends is there. Yeah, uh, it's my instrument. So if I yeah. listen to my friends, they will help me with the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really sweet. Mm. I wonder, I mean, we we're talking about uh, in earlier discussions with other people, we have been discussing quite a lot about if there is a sound of the Nordic countries, is there something that defines a particular sound of the North? And since you use so many natural elements, um, would you say you're able to hear or feel a difference when you use materials from Norway as opposed to, let's say, an another c country around the world? Mm. Um yeah, um, there are different sounds in nature. Um, the animals make various sounds. <laughs> the ice and snow will sound different from place to place and year to year. Mm -hmm. uh, the stone will sound different and the wood, uh, everything. Uh, I had um, projects like I, worked, I was artist in residence in Tokyo. And the project was to to harvest sound from Tokyo. Right. Uh, and Tokyo is not only the city, but it's also some islands and it's beautiful nature. And uh, I'm actually working on this right now with a new album. And um, it sounds completely <laughs> different. Even I use stones and wood and uh, sand. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Um, it is it, it is different yeah. um and um, i don't know if if scandinavia or or the nordic countries has a specific sound but or that it will be recognizable if i heard it um maybe it is connected to my instruments um uh yeah that's hard to answer actually uh, because there are so many, so many factors mm -hmm. that, uh, that is uh, a part of this, um, like the age of the tree, uh, where it has grown, if it's been in very high situated level, you know, where it, it takes 100 years to, to grow three centimeters, it will sound different than if it takes two years to grow three centimeters. Right. Um, many things like this. Mm. But one types of instrument that you make yourself, we haven't talked about yet, and that's uh, the ones you make in ice. Uh, 
first of all, I have to ask, where did this idea come from to make instruments in ice? Uh, well, uh, um, I have been working with lots of uh, elements in my music. And, and uh, in 1999, I, I had a concert for, for opening of Moldeas Festival. And I focused on factory sounds and engines and, and um, traditional musicians from Nigeria and so on. Mm -hmm. And then I was asked to do a commissioned concert to be held in a frozen waterfall okay. in Lillehammer in Norway. Uh, so I thought, okay, uh, what to do now? Uh, shall we work against nature or with nature? Uh, so I decided to work with nature in the composition and went there in autumn and we picked stones and wood uh, and harvested things and started um, to collect. And uh, in winter, I also had the chance to check out ice mm. together with the drums. Right. And it was uh, Paula Mikkelborg on trumpet and Lena Willemark, a fantastic singer, um, plus 20 dancers. Um, so... Uh, so when I heard this sound and, and, and also when I saw the ice, it was uh, just like I fell in love <laughs> and uh, I'm still there. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> I can't stop it. <laughs> but, but when you make instruments in ice, I mean, you also, and I, I'm sorry if I'm asking you a bit stupid, but you also make instruments such as like, you know, something you can play on, like, I mean, trumpets or lute or like all these kind of instruments. I mean... Doesn't that hurt your lips when you play on them directly on ice? I mean, mm, yes, uh, I have made a couple of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, lips uh, is something nice to have. Yeah. Uh, yes. I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. We can agree on that. And <laughs> so, uh, I had a concert in in very north of Norway together with a Sami singer, Sara Marielle Gaup. Mm -hmm. and, and it was 33 degrees Celsius below. Oh, goodness. Also. That's cold. Pretty cold. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and um, when she came for the concert, she said, Tarja, we have been talking at, at home. You, you cannot blow directly on the ice. Oh. It's dangerous. Yes. So, so she did bring a small piece of leather. To put on the ice. To protect and since that day, I've been using this piece of leather, and I just stick it to the to the instrument. That's very smart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sound is maybe a little bit different. Mm. A little bit. Does it stop uh, the vibration a bit, or do you think, or is does it have nothing to do with that? Uh, yeah, uh, it could be. Also, it it doesn't melt that quickly. Mm. This is a good thing. It's kind of funny to think that you play on instruments that actually melt. They are gone by the end of the concert. <laughs> yes, That's really they can. Um, mm. And especially when playing on, on horns. Yes. You know, as warm air yeah. uh, uh, coming out of my, my mouth and, mm. and it melts very quickly and, and the mouthpiece gets bigger and bigger. Uh, uh, and uh, you just cannot control this, you know? No. Uh, <laughs> so... So to have a horn orchestra, I will out of ice. I will not recommend it, you know, <laughs> uh, because it's very hard to play in tune. Yeah, yes. you will have a different pitch by the time you're done, I guess. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch will change all the time. <laughs> well, I I just have to ask, how long does it take you to prepare an instrument out of ice? Um, well, I have a setup for a concert. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to play one hour concert, for example. Um, first, you need someone to harvest the ice, and that's the hardest job. Um, normally, I don't do that, luckily. Mm -hmm. um, but before this, you need to know that the, the lake actually have sound. Mm. Uh, because it's not so that all ice do sound. Interesting. And, and so it will be different from for every concert. Mm. Uh, if the instruments sound really good, fantastic, or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> How do you so, find uh, out if it, the lake has sound? Uh, you need to do a test, yeah. simply, huh. to check it. So if the ice is there, mm. uh, and I have uh, one assistant, uh, we can make my setup within two or three days. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then it is uh, some various kinds of horns, and it is uh, ice drums that are not actually drums, but it's it's, a, it's ice, but it can be tuned. Mm. And it's the isophone or marimba that also can be tuned exactly, uh, and some chimes um, and various kinds of percussion. Mm -hmm. But. Um... I know you also have performed in places such as uh, India and more warm tropical weather. Um, mm -hmm. That seems to be a bit contradictory when you bring in ice instruments on the stage. <laughs> but how are you able to, well, first of all, how are you able to bring the instruments there or do you actually make it there? In, for instance, India. Mm. If I go to India or to Asia, Japan, China, etc., uh, we always make the instruments there. Mm. Uh, sometimes I do bring a little box of ice from Norway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As a backup because, or... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because I have experience, for example, in Japan, um, it's very hard to find uh, good sounding ice. Yeah. And uh, it's a big difference if you... I mean, I can tune the eyes, but it sounds like like this. Or if it sounds like ding, 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 uh, it will affect the music, in fact. Yes. Huh. How strange. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, so many questions. But I'm okay, I will start with the first one. Um, does ice, I mean, you touched a bit upon it that ice sound different, but how different can it sound from geographical difference, you think? It, it can be like it's totally dead. Okay. Uh, it sounds like uh, just you hit anything okay. or it can sing like the most fantastic thing. Um, um, the mm -hmm. longest resonance uh, or delay I had for one instrument is 18 seconds. 18? 18, that's, that's quite long. long. And that's the bass sound. And then there are some amazing bass sounds. Wow, that's fantastic. It is and, and it uh, it sounds. Um, I will. I'm a nerd, so <laughs> it sounds fantastic, of yeah, course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, but also, you know, it's 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 very difficult to to find these really good sounding eyes, and and sometimes uh, you can go to the same lake 
year after year and it will sound totally different mm. from year to year like good wines yeah uh there are good years and bad years <laughs> uh, but also uh, like i was in russia one time and i had 100 pieces of ice that, that were harvested for me and i checked the 100 pieces and seven of them had good sound wow it was the same in in china right. i've been doing some some tours in china and they harvested ice from nearby the the great wall mm. And uh, we were cutting and it, it sounded, you know, but then we needed one more block of ice and none of the other blocks had sound. Wow. So what do you do then? Well, uh, it, is, uh, it, it, it is a risk to perform on pure frozen water. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm willing to take that risk mm. as a musician. Um and the risk is that it might not sound or it might sound a little bit or I might not have my complete instrument. Uh, we do improvise uh, quite a bit and um, uh, often I don't think people, maybe people are not aware of, of um, the fact that it sounds different. Mm. Uh, and and for me as a musician also, it is like, okay, this is what I have and we have to create music out of what we have. Mm. Uh, so that's quite a big difference from other instruments, I think, because you have your instrument and you know how it can sound and, and you know what to expect and you know how it responds, mm. etc. Right. But actually, I have a little a bit of a technical question when it comes to that. How do you actually tune an ice instrument? Do you just have to deal with what you have? <laughs> or can you tune it and shape it a bit? No, I can tune it. So, so mm. I sometimes play with orchestras, mm. for example. And uh, it has to be exact in tune. Yeah. Uh, so I tune my isophone and drums and so on by using a knife. Okay. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. you... And it's probably quite small... Um, what say measurements you can do with it unless suddenly your instrument is gone <laughs> you tune it out of shape <laughs> yes it, it can also while melting or no, I mean just for the tuning part I mean yeah also if if I tune um, too much mm. it can be a problem yeah because <laughs> you cannot add no you know you can only take off take off I can make it thinner and shorter so when you start playing, you have in mind, okay, so much is going to melt by the time I'm done and you still want to stay in pitch. What do you do then? <laughs> <laughs> I stop playing before I get out of pitch uh, if I play together with other musicians. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short concert today. So, <laughs> oh, well, but it's, it, this is also something I've learned. And, and actually, most of my concerts, ice concerts are indoor in concert halls, uh, ordinary temperature and everything. Yeah. And it's pretty much about timing. Then. Yes. Uh, and um, uh, so, so I know that okay, I cannot play this song much longer because it starts to melt, and then we we have to finish it. Yeah, that's quite mm. quite to the point. <laughs> yes. Or you can also do as you have done. Um, instead of being inside where things can melt, you can also bring things outside where you can control the temperatures a bit better. And I know you have a ice music festival. Um, which is in Finse, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's known for being, I would say, probably one of the, the colder places in, in Norway. Um, 
why did you start a festival there? Um, I started a festival where I'm uh, raised and born, actually, in Yelo. Mm -hmm. And we had it there for, I think, 12 years or something. And then we moved to Finse uh, because we had some problems. You know, we have something called climate change. Mm -hmm. uh, temperature is rising globally. So uh, it's a problem for a lot of people. Um, for me, dealing with ice music, it's, a, of course, a problem. But I don't see this as a problem comparing to the other problems. Uh, but anyway, it's an important uh, thing. And um, so we, we try to move up to the mountains and near quite close to a glacier mm. to go there and it's a unique uh, festival yeah. um when i started in 2006 uh, it was the world's only ice music festival and i think it still is i'm not sure but i think so and um, the thing and the idea is to uh, see what can we do with ice and snow mm. Uh, in Norway in 2006, most people would not see the cold or ice or winter and snow as a resource or something positive. Mm -hmm. So we must try to turn this around mm -hmm. and to see this as a fantastic resource. And uh, I try to invite a lot of people uh, and challenge them to see what can they do with ice and snow. And this is, of course, musicians um from various countries uh it is uh it can be dancers um performance artists or is the architects we create uh, a new venue every year and it is an art project itself right oh we have painters i mean artists uh there are no no limit <laughs> i i want to 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 have a creative pool kind of right um and it's fantastic to see what's <laughs> what we have done all this year it's it's really really uh fantastic uh, so many people have um uh contributed with uh, their ideas and checking out and <laughs> and a lot of hard work and sometimes a little bit of melting yes <laughs> um so <laughs> Do you think yeah, anything or everything can be done in snow and ice? Yeah, mm. uh, I think it's very difficult to make an airplane out of ice that can take you to. Yes, that I would also imagine is a bit hard. <laughs> Even though it's cold up in the air, yeah. you know. <laughs> Now, when it comes to music, uh, lots of things are possible, and uh, I have lots of ideas still for many, many things we can do, mm. and want to develop, and want to see how far we can come. Mm. I have a lot to learn still. Um, I have a lot to learn from nature, from music, from other people. Uh, so it's just started. <laughs> well, I think that's the best quality to have is to be curious and to always search, right? Mm. But I have to say, I I can only say for myself, I freeze so easily, but you must be very comfortable with the cold. Uh, I am not comfortable with really? the cold, but I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of warm clothes mm. uh, and 100% wool. 
Wool, oh, wool, wool. Now we're speaking layers, to the layers, layers, layers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> it's like yeah. Well, I even mentioned it earlier today, but uh, it's this very Norwegian saying we have, right? It, it doesn't matter the weather; it's what you wear in the end of the day. Exactly, uh, and and the wool is fantastic. I mean, and I was in Canada recently, or I've been there some t- several times, and they dress up with all these, you know, new fashion stuff, you know. <laughs> The biggest problem with these uh, fashion clothes uh, is that they make lots of noise. Oh. When you move around, it says <laughs> and and the ice uh, makes maybe less sound than the jacket. Yeah. So it's impossible. Um, but I use wool, and and people stop me on the street, you know, because it might be very cold, and I say you must be very cold because you don't have proper clothes. Mm. So it works. It does work. <laughs> but I have cold fingers and I have um, been frostbitten quite properly. So oh, I'm sorry. So I need to take care. I've learned that. Yeah. No, you definitely need your hands and fingers. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, it's a good thing to have also. I, I would very much agree. I Since you spoke about uh, how much different sounds you can get from elements such as rocks, I can't help but have to ask you if you nearby have any rocks near you and you could give us a little example of how different it could sound mm. or any other elements um, I'm in my studio mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, my studio is um, uh, uh, top of the house and the house is on top of the hill (laughs) and there is no road to the hill (laughs) so we have to walk stairs and a path to get to the house oh i see (laughs) yes so it means there are not many instruments here i have some drums lots of old drums um and uh, no wooden instruments or no stones No, no, that's all fine. <laughs> I just wanted to know. I have some nice shakers that I got from Japan. I feel a like groove coming already. Small, yes. <laughs> so they look like small drums. Uh, and they it, do. I, I got it as a present from a fantastic uh, musician in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is making these. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you for that. It's always nice to have a little bit of sound. When we talk about music, it can be quite abstract. So it's it kind of helps a bit to have something to put it on, you know. <laughs> but then... Yeah, I have one stone from Japan, actually. Oh. But it's, it, it is... Um... It's not for a music instrument, though. Yeah. So for you, that doesn't ring enough, does it? Or it gives enough? No, it's... Um... Depending on how you use it, probably. <laughs> this uh, looks like Hajiju Island, where I was um, uh, harvesting a lot of uh, stones and um, and wood and sand and lava. Yeah. Um, hmm. And it has the same shape as the island. <laughs> it's beautiful. I like the sound. Mm, it's beautiful. <laughs> Very beautiful. Mm. Okay, I want to uh, ask you, Talia, about, I mean, you come from 
the tradition, very long jazz tradition. You are an excellent jazz musician, and you have so much experience also improvising. Um, could you tell me a little bit about whether you think there is a Norwegian or Nordic tradition when it comes to jazz in particular? Hmm. Um, yeah, I. Um, I think I can hear uh, where people come from when they improvise. Mm. Many people, I can hear where they come from okay. if if we listen to music. Sometimes I can hear some improvised music and I think this must be Swedish. Okay. <laughs> and Sweden is not far from Norway. <laughs> no, that's true. But what <laughs> makes it sound Swedish to you? Oh, that's so hard to describe. Um but what you can hear even easier is what is Norwegian. Okay. And um, and I think it has to do a little bit with um, our history of of improvisers. Uh or there might be two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see in traditional music in Norway, uh the violin tradition uh is very unique comparing to the other Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. And it's also very unique from village to village. It will be different. And I think it has to do with Norway's nature. It was very difficult to travel around. Yes. And nearly everyone except for the big farmers were suffering. There were no money, uh, not much food, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's, it's, it was very isolated. If you go to Denmark, they had they had Europe. Yeah, exactly. No problem. They could easily go to Germany, France, wherever, you know. Uh, same with south of Sweden. Easy access. And it was Danish for a while. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one reason um, that we, we have been kind of isolated. Or... You can say protected <laughs> yes. from inspiration or from other cultures. Uh, that's not politically correct to say. Uh, but, it's <laughs> uh, but then uh, in the 60s, there were lots of American jazz musicians, great musicians coming to Denmark and Sweden in specific. Mm-hmm. And they were playing there. And sometimes they came to Norway. Uh, and uh, in Norway, we had some really good musicians uh, um, with Jan Garbarek, um, Jon Christensen, Aril Andersen, and, and these guys. And um, they played fantastic, but they played very different from the Americans. Mm. They played uh, completely their own way. Okay. Not even educated, you know. <laughs> so, so. Um, uh, so the music turned out quite unique, and and then. Keith Jarrett came and he he picked up some of these musicians and the music became very famous and uh, and the musicians is famous worldwide and I think um, that also showed the young generations of Norwegians that okay we can do this in a different way mm-hmm. we don't need to copy the Americans because we are not able to copy them mm. anyway how we we don't need to copy other countries or other styles like 100 percent yeah so we, we can more trust ourselves i think that's um 
typical Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working a lot in Sweden also, uh, collaborating with uh, folk musicians there and in, in, in the traditional music scene. Um, they don't have the same. No. So that's very, um, that's a typical identity then in many ways of Norwegian musicians, you would say. It's very dangerous to say something like this, <laughs> but uh, I have a feeling yeah. that it might be yeah. uh, something like that. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, but I think so too, because it's you can see this in other fields as well, that there is a mm. certain open approach to sing. And I, this is something we also mm. talked quite a lot when it comes to also classical music, that even though the pieces and their uh, and the tradition behind is very long there is always talk about a norwegian approach um naming exactly what you said that you know there was a certain freedom a certain um oh this has not been done before let's do that instead you know that it was not so bound mm. to traditions and that created some very interesting and very exciting um expressions yeah and it's it's a different way of of seeing it could be <laughs> Um, you know, if you, if you uh, do your education in Eastern Europe or in Asia or in America, they would say that this is how it's going to be. <laughs> and you have to play exactly like this before you can do anything else. And uh, for sure, this gives fantastic musicians. And I think technically Norwegian jazz musicians are not at the same level as the Americans, not at all. <laughs> Um, so you can say maybe that is a um, way to get around it, <laughs> practice less, play Norwegian yeah. <laughs> and still make a living. Uh, yeah, it could be, uh, you know, um, or it could be also that, okay, we are maybe more open-minded and I think Personally, I think that every human being is a resource, mm -hmm. um, is also a musical resource. Yeah. And I think that every human being is totally unique because everyone can do something that no one else can do. And if you can do one thing properly with improvised music or in music, if you know one thing that no one else cannot do, then it's fine, you know? Then uh, you will be booked for lots of gigs <laughs> uh, because no one else can do exactly this one thing, for example. So, uh, and, and I would never say that there is something, something is right and something is wrong in music. No, I agree. Um, it's all expression, yeah. Mm. No, I believe so too. And it fits very well into I read a quote by you uh, from one interview you gave which um, where you talk about ice and that it changes over time it can create things you never expected and it's art by accident and I really love this quote art by accident because it really gives mm -hmm. a much open approach to what art can be and mm -hmm. and uh, what an expression can be mm -hmm. but do you find that also I mean I can um, imagine from where you live and from what I can look at right now, since we are on Zoom, <laughs> um, mm. I can uh, imagine that when you are out in nature, you are, uh, you must have, you know, the biggest ears just looking and searching for sounds. Is that the case? Yeah. Uh, if I go out of my house, 
there is a path going up to the mountain. Uh, and I can have a look of the city of Bergen, where I live. And I can listen to the city. And you can listen to it like a big orchestra, <laughs> you know? There are lots of sounds and some soloists coming, <laughs> passing by. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and some builders over there. So, so um, yeah, it can be very inspiring and it can be music. Mm. Uh, and often when playing music, uh, I had a concert on Friday. And when we did the sound check, it was me and a trumpet player, Per Jürgensen, then the, the guys at the venue had to move the chairs, you know? And then we started to play together with the guy moving the chairs without him knowing. But it was it's, it was fantastic music. <laughs> the moving, the noise from the chairs and our instruments together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, I really I understand what you meant about art by accident. <laughs> wow. It's also being open-minded, you know, and, and uh, not to decide uh how things is going to be mm. um, in music because or in life. Yeah. Uh, you can decide your life that I'm going from A to B and that's it. Right. Or you can be open and see maybe something happens and you, you, you just go the other direction, you know, and something else happens and there's a new life or a new way of living or new ideas or who knows. <laughs> and it's the same with music. If you take the risk of not being able to to present uh, present uh, a proper concert yeah yeah because it's not planned yes or because the instruments is maybe not ready you force yourself to to think different or to just to trust music yeah and then it can be also things that you never thought could be art can be art and then it's art by accident. Yeah. I really want to thank you, Tari, for taking time to speak with me today and for sharing your thoughts and for um, showing me a bit more what uh, ice and the frozen world can do for you. So I really look forward <laughs> to following you further and to uh, actually listen to a proper ice instrument one day. That's going to be fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me for the Nordics Unveiled. My name is Elvig Hemsing and I hope you will continue following my next episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The music in the introduction is from Edvard Grieg's Violin Sonata in G Major, Opus 13, with myself on violin and pianist Simon Trapczewski, released on BIS Records.